I don't know what my favorite part of that song was, the fact that they did let it go or the fact that Phil didn't change the words and refer to himself as the queen the entire time that he sang the song. It was amazing. The grudge. Man, what a powerful word. What a word full of imagery. The minute you hear it, it evokes all kinds of emotion. So many people are literally controlled by grudges. Have you ever been around people, and Christine and I just seem to really be around a lot of people like this lately, to the point that it's a pretty regular discussion in our life that how miserable certain people seem to be. It doesn't matter who you're talking about or what they're talking about or what's going on. They're always going to bring it back to this bitterness and this grudge they have towards other people. And the amazing thing is about the grudge is so many times the grudge is over the stupidest stuff possible. So we're going to talk about the grudge. We're going to talk about how we handle the grudge. We're going to talk about um, just laying a foundation today. We're going to talk about in the coming weeks how you forgive other people. We're going to talk about, and I want to be very careful in how I word this because we serve a perfect God and God's never wronged you, though you might think he has. But we're going to talk about how do you forgive God when really you're the one probably in the wrong. We're going to talk about how do we forgive ourselves. I've learned over the years that forgiving others is hard. Forgiving myself is almost impossible. It's hard. But today we're going to start very small. It's going to be a very simple message. I don't have three points in a poem for you today. And we're going to talk about the thing that leads to so many of the grudges. We're going to talk about letting go of the small offenses. Because if we were to take an inventory in our life and look at the bitterness in our life and look at the grudges that we're holding, so many of them are simply because we've allowed small offenses to accumulate into huge offenses. It's amazing the small things And here's the sad thing, you've convinced yourself they're not small. But you tell them to other people and you don't understand why they look at you like you have four heads. That's what you're letting control you? That's what you're bitter about? (laughs) And the problem is with these small offenses and all offenses, but especially the small offenses, is they just hold us back from what God wants for us. I'm actually curious today. It's no fun without you guys interacting. I wonder how many of you would say, you know someone who can be easily offended. Now, don't point at them because they'll be offended. But you know someone who is easily offended. Raise your hand. Raise your hand, raise your hand, raise your hand. Yeah. Someone who is easily offended. I can almost tell you Verbatim after every sermon, who I offended that day. 
And I can almost tell you that what they're offended about had nothing to do with them. But they took it that way because they think the world revolves around them. (laughs) Or the Holy Spirit of God's convicting them about what's being taught. I I would love for anybody to get up and talk week after week for 30 to 70 minutes. And not word something a little different. And sometimes you word something a certain way and people just get offended. And it's comical, the grudge they hold. Like I said, we don't want to point anybody out. But we all know somebody. And the reality is, the person we know is probably not ourselves. Other people know you're the grudge holder but you're oblivious to it because you refuse to be honest with yourself. It's easier to blame everyone else for your negativity. It's easier to blame everyone else for your bitterness. It's easier to blame everyone else for why you're so angry in life instead of looking in the mirror and taking inventory and saying, maybe I'm the issue. I've shared this story with you before. I was about third or fourth grade, and my teacher called my parents in. And I was being disruptive in class, wasn't listening, was talking all the time. And the teacher said, I've never had a child as bad as him. We get in the car. We're driving home. My mom says, what do you have to say for yourself? And I said, well, she just doesn't like me. My mom said, that's possible. And that would be understandable. She said, son, but we did this in kindergarten. And your excuse was your teacher just didn't like you. She said, we did this in first grade. And the excuse was your teacher just doesn't like you. We did this in second grade. It's becoming a ritual, and the teacher just didn't like you. We did it last year in third grade, and the teacher just didn't like you. And now we're in fourth grade. Maybe the problem's not the teacher, the problem's you. And that had a profound impact on me in fourth grade. Nine or ten years old, I still remember the common sense and what my mother said. Maybe the problem is not them, the problem is you. And so many of us are just miserable human beings. And if you don't know someone who is easily offended, chances are you're not on social media. Because that is the cesspool of being offended. I mean, it's crazy the day and time we live in where people are offended. And then you act like you're not offended, but every post you make is a passive-aggressive, vague post about those who have offended you. Let me give you a sign how people are easily offended. You want the sign? Here it is. The ones that when I post about being people, about being offended, they comment, not me. They're easily offended. 
I don't care what they think. Yeah, you do. That's why you post it. Here's the other way to tell if they're easily offended. If they continually post about how they don't care what others think, if they continually post about they don't care what other people think about them or if they like them or this, they're easily offended. They don't have the testicular fortitude to confront the person that they have an offense with. So Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and whatever all the other things are has given everyone a liberty to be spineless and be passive aggressive. I can just throw it out there. And then if you actually get confronted, oh, it wasn't about you. It wasn't about you. Day and time where everyone gets offended. It's so easy to be offended by something small. And we find ourselves, I mean, I'm guilty of this too. I find myself tripping over small offenses. I don't know what it is for you. Maybe someone rolled their eyes at you. And man, you're offended. Maybe you didn't get invited to something and people you know did. And now you're just angry and bitter. My God. Maybe someone has a tone in their voice when they talk to you and you took it wrong. Maybe someone forgets to say thank you for something. You're offended. It's amazing how quickly we're offended. I get so incredibly offended to the point that my wife has confronted me about it. The older I get when I'm in traffic. I'm talking about offended. I live right off Highway 20. The worst road system in the state of Georgia. I knew it moving in and I'm fine with it. I don't get offended by the traffic. I knew that moving in. I get offended when people don't follow the code. Of traffic. If I let you pull out in front of me, all you Yankees, let me make this clear to you. We live in the South. You throw up your hands and you say thank you. That's the code. If I let you in front of me and you don't say thank you to me, man, I am so offended. Don't worry about it, buddy. Just go ahead on out. Christine, I've let it ruin my day. Get offended. Who do they think they are? I, I could have let them sit there at that spot for the next 30 minutes. They'd have never got out. Don't throw up their hand at me. You throw your hand up at me when I let you out. Or the, the jack wagon that when the two lanes and you know the one lane ends, and you know they know the lane ends, but they don't have to wait like everyone. So they zoom past everyone out and break in. My wife, but then by God, don't do it to her. She'll raise hell. And I get offended. We get offended by little things. You know what else offends me? Small things. When I text somebody, I know you read the text. You know how I know you read the text? Because all of a sudden it's dots, 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 dots. You started to respond to me. I saw it. 
And then the text never comes back through. What was so important in your life? You started to respond to me, and now you can't respond to me. Dumb stuff. I get offended by it. Man, we get so offended. You can't even do anything. Now. I mean, man, you can't even get on social media without getting offended. What people post. How's it any of your business what they post? It's their Facebook. How, I literally had someone message me. I'm sick of your Facebook and how often you post. Well, unfriend me. It's my Facebook. Like that's, that's what you're upset about? Easy solution. Don't follow me. I made a post about penis pics the other day, and people went, were furious. I wasn't endorsing penis pics. I was dumbfounded by penis pics. Literally had so many, that's why you're not my pastor. Well, if that offends you and that's why I'm not your pastor, bye, Felicia. <laughs> offended, just looking to be offended. We get offended if people don't like, they must, I, I know they're mad at me. How do you know they're mad? They ain't liked one of my posts in forever. That's how you know if they're mad at you? So-and-so ain't commented on my stuff in forever. Literally had someone ask me what they said. I've, I've been, been harboring some anger towards you. I said, why? They said, man, I see you comment on other people's posts all the time. You don't ever comment on mine. I'm like, well, I mean, just be honest with you. I don't ever see your post. The algorithm, I don't know what to tell you. I'm not, I'm not intentionally saying, man, I'm not going to comment on someone. But just stupid stuff. We laugh. You know why? Because it's funny. But it's true. We are so easily offended. I recently came into the kitchen, fired up. Fired up. Someone made a post on Facebook, a passive-aggressive post on Facebook. And I knew that post was about me. I don't know why I knew it was about me. Don't know why I was so arrogant to think it was about me. But I came in, I looked at Christian and asked him about Star Wars War III. She's on the phone with her dad for what? I said, I saw so-and-so's post and I had enough. I'm about to call it out. And when I call it out, it's going to be embarrassing. Christine said, yeah, you could do that. She said, but you know something? I just got off the phone with so-and-so, the person who made the post. And they were venting about the person they made the post about. I'd hate to burst your bubble, it wasn't you. I mean, dude, I was fired up over stupid stuff. We allow stupid stuff to trip us up. I've learned this. If you're on a continuous search to be offended, you'll always find what you're looking for. Let me repeat that. If you're on a continuous search to be offended, you will always find what you're looking for. The reason so many of you live your life offended is because you're looking to be offended. You get upset about things that at the end of the day have no impact on you, no effect on you, and don't change anything in your life. You simply want to be offended. 
It's Pride Month. Let me make this clear. I could give two rips if it's Pride Month. If that offends you, too bad. You want to be gay? Be gay. I don't care. I don't care. But I, I, don't, I don't care that you, it's, it's a month for you. Go celebrate. Do whatever. Cool. I'm not mad there's a month for you. But someone sent me a long message today. We're six days into Pride Month and you haven't even acknowledged it. I'm not going to acknowledge it. I don't care. I don't see you as a gay person. I see you as a person. Go marry a dog. I don't care. It doesn't affect me. I'm not blowing it off. I'm just saying, I don't care. I love you. But they were offended because I hadn't made a post about Pride Month. Just looking to be offended is what they're doing. They have some kind of bigoted mindset in their head on how I feel about certain things when they're completely wrong and they're looking for anything they can to say that I'm approving or I'm clarifying or I'm affirming their belief in what I feel. And they got offended. You know why they got offended? Because they were looking to be offended. Always looking to be offended. If you're continually on the search to be offended, you'll always find what you're looking for. And let me make this clear to you before we get into the Bible today. There's never, ever, ever, ever a win in living your life offended. I've never once found myself saying, man, I am so much better today because of my bitterness. Oh, let me go ahead and tell you something. There ain't no one of you in this church that can outgrudge me. I mean, I'm a grudge-holding man. I can tell you the day, the time, the year, what you were wearing, and how you went about doing it. I, I, man, this is a struggle for me. I'm putting this message together this week, and man, it was convicting to me. Because it's something that we and our family have been working through and dealing with. Because we've seen examples of others and we refuse to turn into those people. I've never seen a win in being offended. I've never been like, my my marriage is so much stronger today. Because I got a grudge. Never. My relationships are so much richer today. Because I choose to be offended. I'm closer to God today. Because I accumulate small offenses and let them eat away at me. I'm so much happier today. Because someone posted something on Facebook that wasn't even about me and I've been mad for three months over it. Never. Never once. Matter of fact, bitterness is literally crippling. To just live your life angry. Actually, probably have witnessed, Christine doesn't even know I'm going to share this story. Like, probably no one has impacted my life more than this than my brother-in-law. I love to pick on my brother-in-law. But that man can let stuff roll off his back when people have done stuff to him. 
I've tried to get him fired up about stuff that people have done to him. And he wasn't always that way, but in the last year, year and a half, to watch the peace that he has, to be like, it doesn't affect me. I'm not concerned about it. Now, he could be lying, but it's convicted me. And to watch a transformation in his life as he's learned to deal with that area of his life is amazing. It's freeing. It's something that you would be envious of. Because, man, bitterness is rough. It's tough. I I remind myself when I start to get angry about something that my life is just too short and my calling is too great to be offended by something small. You have one shot at this thing called life. I, I know some of you laugh when I say this and you think I'm trying to be funny, but I'm not. Like, I'm 46. It's very... It's probably not a day that goes by. That's just how my mind works. That I don't think, man, I'm going to, I've lived longer than I'm going to live. I am on the down slope of my life. I get, man, I hope I have 30 more years, 40, but the reality is I've lived longer than I'm probably going to live. Life is short. And I'll be damned if I'm going to allow any second of my life to go by being offended over stupid stuff. Being bitter towards other people. Being resentful towards other people. I don't have complete victory in this, so let me make that very clear to you. But it's a daily working in my life. That means people that have wronged me, People that I think have wronged me. Scenarios I've made up in my mind about people who have wronged me. I've got to learn to let that go. Because the older you get, the more it affects you. It affects you mentally. It, affects, it literally affects you physically. It affects you relationally. It affects you spiritually. You can't be right with God carrying around bitterness. It's impossible. It's impossible. The Bible says this in Proverbs 19.11, a person's wisdom yields patience. It is to one's glory to overlook an offense. Leave that up, Xander, please. To overlook, it's one's glory to overlook an offense. It's one's glory to say, I'm over it. Turn to your neighbor today and say, I'm over it. Listen, I know it's a white church, and y'all don't understand talking back. Let's turn to your neighbor, act like you got a little bit of soul, and say, I'm over it. But, 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 Gary, you don't know what they did to me. Hold on, hold on. That's what some of you are thinking right now. I don't know what they did to you. You're right, I don't. And I'm not minimizing what they did to you. But by you holding the grudge, you're allowing them to do it to you every single day. Can I give you a newsflash that might hurt your feelings? The person who actually hurts you doesn't think about you. They don't get up every day replaying it in their mind. They've moved on. But you haven't. We're grudge holders. We hear those people are having some type of success, and we get angry. We're jealous of other people. Like, and that should be me. Like, people that haven't even done anything to you. 
I'm guilty. But people that are in a line of work that I'm in, and I see them having a line, I'm like, man, it should be me. And I, I find myself getting angry and a grudge and bitter. Someone's glory. I'm over it. So the question becomes, how do we as Christ followers get over it? Because it sounds good. But if it was easy to get over, everybody would do it. It's good preaching. No one's going to be like, <laughs> you're like, get over the grave. Hey, man, it's God. And preachers are so guilty of saying this is what you ought to do. And they don't tell us how to go about it. So I'm going to try to tell you today how to do it. And it's almost so simple <laughs> that I start to get a grudge over it. <laughs> it's so simple that I'm like, why didn't I think about that before? I don't have three points and a point. I have one point. Here's how you do it. We close the gap with love. I'm going to break this down for you. We close the gap with love. The Bible says this in Proverbs. Hatred stirs up conflict. We love to stir it up. I hate them. But love covers over all wrongs. But love covers over all wrongs. Hatred complicates. Hatred causes distance in relationships. But love covers all offenses. But you're like, nah, 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 nah. all offenses. You know what they did? Love covers all wrongs. See, there's a dynamic that happens in every interaction. You might not even notice it, but it happens. There's a gap between the action, the offense, what we deem as an offense. There's a gap between the action. Don't miss this. It's good preaching if a white boy is doing it. There's a gap between the action and your reaction. Say that again. There's a gap between the action, the offense, the made-up offense, the perception of an offense, and the reaction to the offense. When someone acts, there's a micro gap. There's a moment, there's a split second where you make a decision based on what that action means on how you're going to react. You choose what to put in that gap. You can respond out of anger. You can respond out of hatred. You can respond out of jealousy. You can respond out of bitterness. You can respond out of a grudge. Or you can decide ahead of time, I always respond with love. And it changes everything. There's always a gap. You choose what goes in the gap. For example, someone posts a vague, passive-aggressive post on Facebook. There's a micro-instant just a moment, I get to interpret the meaning behind that person's actions. The problem is, we're horrible interpreters. 
We're horrible at it. You are, I am, we all are. And you know it, you know why? Because many times people have interpreted the meaning behind your words or your actions, and they were completely wrong. How in the world could you think that's what I meant? Don't you know me better than that? Man, I would never say that. And for you to think, I'm actually offended that you're offended. Like, don't don't you know me? Man, man, we've been, been, you think I would say that? That's how you interpreted my action? We're horrible interpreters. It's called the fundamental attribution error. And that's what this is. It's in our bias. Don't fool, this is good. It's in our bias to attribute our own behavior to our circumstances while attributing everyone else's behavior to their character. Why would you think that about me? My circumstances, I mean, I'm sorry, I was just going through something. You, you read that wrong. We want people to give us the benefit of the doubt. But we don't give the benefit of the doubt. We attribute our own behavior to our circumstances. And I was just stressed. But we attribute their behavior to their character. They're just a crappy person. They're just jealous. They're just trying to stir it up. We're attributing our own experiences to some external circumstance. In other words, there's a reason why I did what I did. You should know me. You should know my heart. You should know what I'm like. You've got to know me. Why would you think that? You know there's a good explanation for that. Let me explain. In other words, if I did something to disappoint you, there's a reason for it. Well, man, give me a break. But if someone else does something to us, if someone else does something to disappoint me, it's very tempting for me to attribute their behavior to their character. Well, of course they did that. They're a piece of crap. They're not a good person. It's just inconsiderate. They're just rude. They just need Jesus to save their soul. Isn't it funny how we do that, though? We fill that gap in a way that we don't want the gap filled towards us. Because make no mistake about it, there's not a person here today who hasn't offended somebody. You walk into the store, and your kid throws a fit. They're causing a scene. There's a reason, right? They're just tired today. I had them at the pool all day, man. They're just wore out. They're hungry. Man, they're just going through it right now. We make excuses for our kids. We walk in the store and someone else's kid's going crazy. I'd beat that kid's tail. That kid needs some parenting. Be a cold day in hell for my kid would act like that. See, we explain away why our kids are acting like, kids 
And we think the other kids are acting like they're because their parents are just character issues. Isn't it funny, the double standard we live? As with anything, man, there's a spiritual component to this. The accusing of others. We have an enemy. His name's Satan. We believe there's Satan's real. In order to have good, you have to have evil. Or there is no good. There could be a God, there has to be a Satan. In Revelation chapter 12, it says that he is the accuser of the brethren. Day in and day out, he's always accusing us of our actions. You're no good. You're not worthy of God. And the way the devil fills those gaps is he fills those gaps with hatred and envy and jealousy and bitterness and grudges and unforgiveness and anger. He loves it when we're wound up towards each other. You don't think the greatest ploy of the devil is how bad the church hates each other? The church is more rigid than any club you've ever seen. You think motorcycle gangs are bad, leave a church. Man, we'll cut you. Stupid. The devil loves it. It's to be accusers. Everybody's in it for themselves. See, the devil wants us to come along and take those gaps, that moment, from the action and our reaction, and to respond negatively. Throw some gasoline on that fire. Blow some wind on it because it was just a little kindling and blow it into something huge. The devil loves for us to take, what's the, old, what's the old expression, make a mountain out of a molehill? The devil wants you to fill the gap with accusation, but God says, no, 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 we fill the gap with love. Look what he says in Proverbs. Whoever would foster love carries over an offense, covers over an offense. But whoever repeats the matter separates close friends. God says, when, when you foster with love, you cover over the offense. You don't take everything so personal. See, love, oh, don't miss this. This is good stuff. Love chooses to believe the best. Love trusts the other person. Love believes the best in the other person. I saw that post, man. I, my gut tells me it was about me, but you just, no, it's not about me. Why, why would it be about me? I haven't done anything. You say, but what if it is about you? We'll get to that. Don't worry. Because sometimes it is about you. But I'm going to go ahead and tell you 90% of the things you get offended about, have grudges about, have nothing to do with you. You make them up in your head. We, let me give you an example on how the devil works. Christine hollers to the next room, Gary, did you take out the trash? Let me tell you what I hear. You didn't see this trash can full? I've been doing everything. You can't get off the couch and go take the trash out. You got one job in this house. That's what I hear. That's what I hear. Because that's how the devil wants you to operate. And that gap between her action and my reaction, I get an attitude. I'm 46 years old. I don't need you to remind me to take out the trash. Obviously, I do because it's overflowing. Or, you know what she could be asking me? 
did you take out the trash? She simply doesn't know. You respond with love. I give her the benefit of that. She's not saying I'm lazy. She's not saying I'm incompetent. She's not saying she does everything and I only have to do one thing. But that's how the devil comes. He's an accuser. He stirs it up. She's upstairs in the bedroom, hollering down the steps about trash in the kitchen. She's genuinely just asking me, hey, did you take out the trash? You're spawning love. I get mad about it. I get angry about it. You're not my mother. Take out the freaking trash when I want to. Get a bigger trash can. Why do we use so much trash in this house? It's just just like, the trash needs to be taken out. It's funny how that works. (laughs) Maybe she saw it and just wanted to remind me it needed to be taken out. We think she's getting on to us because we're grown men and take everything offensively. The Bible says in Ephesians 4, 2, be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make allowances for each other. Give the benefit of the doubt to each other. Do it because of your love for each other. Do it... Because Christ is to be our example and Jesus loves us. In the midst of our mess-ups, Jesus loves us. Funny, we want forgiveness, but we don't want to give it. Christ responds to us in love. Jesus forgives us, there's grace for us. We fill in the gap with grace for others. See, we need to realize that someone else's behavior is not all about you. Their behavior is not all about you. Their bad mood is not all about you. The edge in their voice might have nothing to do with you. They may just be having a bad day. But now you... Oh, God, I'm preaching to myself right now. But you make their bad day about you... Instead of affirming their bad day, you've taken their bad day and made it about you, and now you're having a bad day. They may be going through a battle that you don't know about. They may have just got some really bad news. You want others to give you the benefit of the doubt, but you won't do it for others. It's always funny to me, the people that come to me, you see that post on Facebook? I know it's about me. And I'm thinking, well, that's funny because you post just as many passive-aggressive posts in response. Grow up. You're just looking to be offended. You thrive on drama. You don't know how to live. My wife would tell you for a long time, I'm getting better at it. I didn't know what to do when everything was cool. When there was no chaos. When there was no drama. I didn't know how to live in peace. I'd start jonesing like a junkie. 
Start scratching. Because anybody, what's wrong? I said, it's just too calm. So what I do is I stir it up. Get that chaos going. But as I mature and get more white than my beard, God, I love peace. I love no drama. Someone sent me a text the other day full of drama. Someone said, you're going to respond? I said, I'm not responding. I don't care. They want me to respond. They want me to argue with them. They want me to fight with them. I don't care. I'm a Top Gun too. I'm going to finish watching this movie. I don't care. It's an amazing feeling. Because of love. We respond in love. We give them the benefit of the doubt. But what if? Then we're going to wrap up and go home. What if they're simply just being rude to you? What if the post was about you? What if they're out to get you? What if they're gossiping about you? What if they're intentionally being mean and harsh? What do you do then? Well, it's taken me a long time to realize this. What I try to do is I try to realize that if someone is really unnecessarily being hateful to me, they're probably going through something that's causing that kind of behavior. What I'm saying is I just realize it's their issue and not my issue. If I can look myself in the mirror and know that I'm not doing what this person accused me of, yet they're still accusing me of it, it's their issue. And their opinion of me is none of my business. I don't feel the need to defend myself. I don't feel the need to engage them. They're very likely going through something that is causing their behavior. And I'm going to go ahead and tell you this. The bigger difference you're making in the world, the more you're going to have people like this. The more you lead, the more you make a difference, people are going to come out of the woodwork and they're going to attack you. Guess what? You don't have to go to every fight you're invited to. I've learned that. It's funny. If you're ever on my social media, there's a lot of fights. And some of you assume that I always fight. Here's the funny thing. I can make a post that can have 700 comments. In those 700 comments, you'll never see a response from me. Y'all fight. I don't fight. I made my post. I wasn't looking to argue or debate. My post is there and there's my opinion. You don't like it? Cool. Opinions like buttholes. Everybody's got them and they all stink. You don't got to agree with me. I'm, I'm down with that. I'm okay with that. Someone literally said, man, you were going at it. I said, I wasn't going at anything. Yeah, you were. I saw it. Man, thing had 900 come. I said, not for me. I didn't engage anybody. Because I don't care. I don't have to go to every fight I'm invited to. When someone attacks or someone un, unnecessarily is harsh to you. I've learned this expression that my counselor gave me. I try 
to put myself in the other person's shoes. I wonder what they're going through right now. Yeah. I can see why they'd be angry at me in this area because, man, they're going through this right now. They need to project their anger onto someone, so cool. It's projected onto me. But I can see how they took it that way, even though that's not how I mean. I can see how they took it that way. I get it. It's a powerful thing to step back and put yourself in someone else's shoes. I want to have compassion for them instead of a grudge towards them. So freeing. I want to have compassion because of the love that is in my heart. Because it's so much better to be controlled by love than it is bitterness. I want to be honest with you. There's some of you I avoid like the plague. Not because I don't like you, but because you're so bitter. You're so negative. You're so angry. You can't compliment anybody without tearing them down first. And the thing that you're tearing them down about, you might be right about. But who cares? It doesn't affect me. If you put accusations in the gap, you're always going to be offended. If you put love in the gap, it's going to soften your heart towards that person to either make a difference in their life Don't miss this. Or to learn to move on from that person and not give them a second thought. See, the problem is so many of y'all here put love in the gap as meaning you have to be their best friend. It's not what I'm saying. I no longer have to have a relationship with you. But I'm not going to stay bitter towards you. I'm just going to let it go. Let it go, can't hold, whatever the stupid song is. Look at the verse again. A person's wisdom yields patience to one's glory to overlook the offense. It's one's glory to overlook the offense. It's to your glory. What the Bible's saying is it's God honoring to overlook an offense. Now, what does that mean? Overlooking an offense does not mean you're pretending it didn't happen. It's not what it means. If someone is continually attacking you and running you down, why would you want to be around someone like that? That's not what it's saying. It's saying you're going to separate from them, but you're also not going to hold bitterness and a grudge towards them. They're not in your life anymore. Some of you are holding on to stuff that happened 20, 30, 40 years ago. You can't move on. I don't mean, that's sad. Like, I literally don't have compassion for you, I have pity for you. It breaks my heart. We know people who are literally in the best. Me and the invisible chair down there. Literally know people who are in the best position of their life and can't even enjoy it because of grudges from 30 years ago. To overlook an offense is simply a a conscious decision to let it go. It's forgiveness in real time. 
It's preemptive forgiveness. Guess who did that Christ when he died on the cross for our sins that hadn't happened yet? You wronged me. I let it go, man. Now, you're no longer part of my life because of that. I'm not going to move on with you anymore. I'm not going to put myself in a position to continue to be hurt by you. But I'm not going to replay the hurt you did to me over and over and over and over. It's in the moment, real-time decision to stay above the offense. (laughs) That word overlook in the Hebrew literally means to pass over. It's going to pass over that. And you did me wrong. And you ripped me off. And you talked smack about me when I was good to you. Oh, I can feel it well enough. My chest gets tight. And my jaw gets tight. And I replay it over and over. And and you know what I used to do? Next time I run to them, here's what I'm going to say to them. I used to play it out. Christine would literally look at me like, who are you having a conversation with over there? What do you mean? You're having some conversation in your head. I can see it. And I'd be replaying it over and over. Mm -hmm. Can't wait to run into so-and-so. I can't wait for so-and-so to post something where I can humiliate them. I'm pretty good with my words. It's what I do for a living. Miserable way to live. Now I'm learning to just let it go. Pass over it. I don't need that person in my life anymore. I'm not doing business with that person anymore. But I'm not replaying it over and over. See, I'm learning the older I get the importance of my calling. And the devil loves to distract you from your calling. He loves to distract you from your purpose. You know how many pastors have left ministry because they couldn't let go of how bad the people in the chairs hurt them? It's just part of it. Hurt people hurt people. (laughs) Do you know how many people I've hurt over the years? Do you know how many people in this community... I wish would forgive me because, man, they're right. I was wrong for what I did to them. So why wouldn't I return what I want? Fill in the gap of hatred. I used to say, I used to say anger fueled me. I had someone tell me I started a market at the mill like two years ago. And someone said, man, you're the only person I know that can promote a market, a farmer's market. And make it a competition against the other farmers' markets. They're like, you're literally attacking the other farmers' markets. Like, dude, let it go. I was like, man, that is kind of dumb. Let it go. I just want to sing it. God has a higher calling on my life. <laughs> and the problem is, you can't move on to what God has next for you. Until you let God let go of what God brought you through, uh, I don't. Uh, he's very private, so I, of course I keep pointing him out. But my brother-in-law went through something. I'm not going to tell you what he went through, and he couldn't let it go. And because he couldn't let it go, he couldn't see what he had before him. I've seen him in the last six months let it go, and now he appreciates what he has in front of him. It's amazing. He's a, literally a different person. Literally. Like, I don't mean different in personality. I mean different in the peace on his face. 
different in his demeanor. But he had to let go of this because you can't look forward and look backwards at the same time. Eyes don't work like that, even if you're cross-eyed. It doesn't work like that. It's powerful, so powerful. God has a higher calling. Your relationship fell apart. I'm so sorry. Some of you messaged me recently about a guy I was pretty hard with a couple of days ago. I had this guy that gets on my Facebook page, and his wife left him two years ago. And every time I talk about relationships, he gets on there and shares the whole story every time. I don't know what to do. So finally, I responded. I said, well, here's what you do. You man the hell up. I said, you go find a counselor. She's gone. There's nothing you can do. She's gone. So let it go. Get yourself healthy for when God brings someone else in your life. You won't go through it again. I lost everything at 33. You think at 33 years old, I was going to quit living? You think I was going to allow a mistake at 33 to define the rest of my life? You must be crazy. And so I had a goal. You used to be able to Google my name. And the first thing when you would type in Gary Lamb was always, apparently there's a famous piano player named Gary Lamb. And he writes wedding songs and funeral songs on the piano. I get emails all the time, people thanking me for my beautiful song that was performed at their family's funeral. And I don't ever want to like burst their bubble, so I'm like, I'm so glad you were blessed. I just respond like that. I don't say I wrote it or anything, it's just weird. You know what I mean? And, um, but the second whatever first page was all my past. It was 12, 13 years ago. And I said, I want it to be a day that what I do now overrides that. Now you got to go to page three on Google to find that stuff. Now it's barbecue and brews, action church, Southern Honor Wrestling, feeding people in the community. So you had to let go of that past to move on. I could have held on there. I could have stayed there. I could have been angry and bitter and never let it go, even though it was all my fault. Or I can let it go. I wasn't in the right. I was in the wrong. But I can't go back in a time machine. I bought a DeLorean. It didn't work. There was no going back and changing it. You had a bad relationship with some man. I'm sorry. There's bad men out there. Oh, by the way, and there's bad women too. So now you hate all men because you chose a dumb one? Makes no sense to me. We, we just hang on. Bitter, angry people got screwed over at a job, so now you don't trust any boss ever. Miserable way to live. I just learned to give people the benefit of the doubt. I used to put walls up towards people for what I thought they were going to do to me in the future. I ain't getting close to that person. They'll screw me over. And guess what? People have screwed me over. But guess what? I move on. I'm not going to live two years waiting for them to screw me over. Some of y'all worry about the bad thing happening. Here's the problem. The bad thing is going to happen no matter what. So why spend two years worrying about it? When it happens, happens. Deal with it then and move on. You feel the gap of love. Over and over and over, the Bible says that. Coworker doesn't invite you to the party. I'm over it. I didn't want to go to that party anyway. 
not going to hold me back. Someone makes a starky comment to you on social media. I'm over it. I'm going to let it go. Your mother-in-law drives you crazy. I'm learning to let it go. I let my mother-in-law kiss me on the cheek last night and didn't freak out. So I'm letting it go. I'm just kidding. It's just called a joke. Man. I'm not going to let people drag me down. I'm not going to let people bother me. You know why? Because the Bible says as much as it depends on yourself, live at peace with all people. I'm responsible for the peace in my life. No one else. Not Christine. Lord God knows. Not my kids. Not my job. I'm responsible for the peace. So I decide how do I fill the gap. Anger, bitterness, let it fuel me. Or love. Love. No one's ever changed the world walking around bitter. I learned this when we decided, first of all, we didn't decide anything. When I posted an idea I had about doing a needle exchange, you've heard me talk about it before, and the news picked it up, and the front page of the Tribune picked it up, and, man, the sheriffs came down and searched our building, and it was weird. But we're sitting, here's what icing on the cake for me. Sitting down at the building, I hear someone banging on the door. And I go look, and it was an officer from the CDC, Center for Disease Control. Flashes a little badgy thing. I'd like to check your building for used needles. It's like, okay. There's no used needles in the building. We never took a used needle. I simply said, wouldn't it be cool if we took? I don't even think I said it wouldn't be cool. I said, hey, well, here's an idea. And as he was walking, he said, man, you got some people in this town that don't like you. I said, really? He said, yeah. He goes, I can't tell you who, but we had another pastor call us, and that's why we're here. But when I got angry, Christina, tell you, I was fueled with anger. Matter of fact, if you were to go back and listen to the messages about six weeks after that, they were just anger. Bitterness. I was checking out other pastors' stuff to see who could, vaguely I could put the clues together. That I can hold a grudge. And then I realized, man, we were coming up on our Thanksgiving thing and we were behind for the first time ever in getting the food. And I realized I had allowed my grudge and my bitterness to distract me from my calling. Instead of trying to get food to feed people, I was sidetracked because some anonymous person called the CDC on me. I had to let it go instantly. Never think about it again. Never knew who it was. Don't care to know who it was. Could really give two rips about who it was. Because I refuse to let their actions water down my calling. Don't let something small take you off mission to show the love of Jesus. Don't let it happen. Imagine if Jesus would have been that way. Matthew, you weren't paying attention during my Sermon on the Mount, man. I'm really bummed about it. (laughs) You hurt my feelings and now I can't calm the storm. Disciples, man, y'all really offended me that day. Y'all fell asleep in the garden while we were praying. Thought y'all had my back. I mean, imagine if Jesus was distracted by that. Thomas, you didn't even compliment my miracle. I don't know why I let you hang around anymore. I opened blind eyes. What do you else you want me to do? That's not good enough for you? I mean, imagine if Jesus lived his life just offended. 
So he said, I'm about the will of my father. I came to seek and to save that, which is why he was focused on his mission. The calling ahead of me is greater than the offense behind me. God's not done with you. If you're breathing, God has a calling on your life. If you're still here, it's because God is not done with you. And you're missing out on your calling because you're focused on the past. Our call to love should elevate us past that. It's just simple. Now, that doesn't mean we don't respond to truth. It doesn't mean we don't take a stand. But some of you need to learn how to stand for truth in love instead of truth in hatred. Some of you are so vile with those you disagree with. Some of you are so condescending. Some of you love to stir everybody else up. This last week, someone, and I love this, I, I, mean, I love this, probably one of my favorite people. It was over in the other side, and they said, man, so-and-so is a saint. And I said, why? And they started to go into so-and-so's conflict, which I said, eh, not my issue, I don't care. I turned around and walked away. I wasn't trying to be offensive to that person. I simply don't care. You know why? Don't pertain to me. I'm not getting sidetracked with that. I don't care. Because guess what? The two people involved, this person I love. And this person I love. And they can meet at Southern Honor next Friday and duke it out in the ring. Doesn't affect me. I don't care. I just love. Everybody else's battle doesn't have to be your battle. Me and Christine used to always think that. All of our friends had to fight the same battles we did. No, they don't. And what kind of crappy person I am that I'm going to drag all my friends into my battles? It's ridiculous. Stupid. We know someone who gets divorced and we choose sides. Why? They're both your friends. Let them both be your friends. That's their issue, not mine. We respond in love. Every action has a reaction. The key is how do you fill the gap? Bitterness, anger, grudge, holding? Or like the Bible says all throughout Proverbs, do you fill it with love? Love covers all the offenses. Treat other people, and this is mind-blowing concept. Treat other people the way you would want to be treated. Show other people the grace you want when you screw up. And trust me, you've screwed up. Give other people the benefit of the doubt you want. Quit looking to be offended, you weak human being. Be secure enough in your calling that you don't get offended by others' actions. You don't pastor a church like Action Church and not have critics. Y'all get more upset about it than I do. And that's the genuine truth. Christine can honestly tell you, it doesn't affect me. It doesn't phase me. You know why? Because I know that 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 I know the calling for this church. 
That's all I, I don't care what anybody else doesn't understand. But what if people leave? They leave. God always seems to bring new ones in. We just love. No one who's ever left this church, anybody can say they've heard me talk bad about. Because I don't care. I feel the gap of love. It's so free. So peaceful. And it'll change your life. That will destroy your life. The grudge. Let's pray.